18 people that uh, she wants to reach out to. And then um, somebody sent a, a WhatsApp message to me and said that after your sermon, I've been thinking about how I can reach out to my business people in, in the office. And then he said, on Monday morning, my business partner uh, was in town and he just started to tell me all his problems and then he asked me for a Bible. So he didn't even have to start. He only had to start thinking about it. Okay? And then the Lord sort of sent this person to him for help and uh, even asked for, for a Bible. And I got another message. Uh, Someone uh, was trying to reach out to uh, her brother-in-law who is from another religion and very steeped in it. And uh, she asked, can I pray with you? He was sick in hospital. And, and then, of course, he said yes. Most people will say yes. And then across the, the hospital room, in another corner of the hospital room, uh, an Indian man shouted, Hey, you, preacher! <laughs> and so this person sent the son across and not herself and found that, again, he was from another religion. And, but he also asked to be prayed for. And so I think we can uh, just be available, okay? Just be sensitive to God's guidance. And, and sometimes even we think a lot about this person, that person we want to reach out, but sometimes the Lord just sends people to us. So let's uh, continue to be in prayer, continue to be uh, sensitive. For now, today we're going to talk about sex, sex matters. Uh, let me go straight into statistics, okay? Into the data that we have from um, the whole life inventory that we did some months ago. What we think about certain areas and what we say we think about it. So the first one I'm going to talk about is um, using pornography goes against my beliefs and values. That is the, if you can see the dark brown line, we do better than global as in other churches. Uh, these are the aggregate scores that you see on the right side, right? So five is uh, strongly agree, one is like don't agree or, or the other way around. And then we are like 4.3, uh, which is pretty high to say that, yeah, we are almost like perfectly, strongly uh, agree that pornography goes against my beliefs and values. 85% of us agree or strongly agree that pornography is against our beliefs and values. 8% are neutral or not sure. And 6% is against that we do not agree that pornography goes against our values. Now, in the global data, slightly lower than us, you know, 82 versus 85. Uh, and 8% uh, of PPH, not sure or neutral, but in the global data, it's 12%. And then 6% disagree. It's the same. I, I don't know. Maybe some of these, I really think that people misunderstood the question. So there could be some error in here. Now, the green line, the green line says, I would fulfill my sexual desires even if doing so is against God's will. So again, very high. Um, it's like kind of obvious, right? If it is against God's will, uh, why would I want to do it? So... 80%, 84% say we will not, we will not uh, do it. But there is 12% who's not sure that even if it is against God's will, I may well go against God's will and fulfill my sexual desires. But there's a little detail here, and the little detail here is among the youth, 29% are not sure. So they would not emphatically say, I will not go against uh, God's desires concerning sex. Uh, 
uh, and only two-thirds of youth uh, disagree that, uh, or, or sorry, agree that I would not go against God's desire. So there is some kind of a disconnect. Now let's talk about uh, premarital sex and extramarital sex. Actually, the simpler word is sex outside of marriage, okay? whether it's pre or extra. So again, our aggregate scores are, are better than other churches, as in they're all green there and all fairly high. Um, so let's go through the questions again. It is acceptable to have sex before marriage as long as it is a committed, committed relationship. So most people disagree that no, 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 sex is for within marriage, so 86%. But there is a 7% who's not sure. There is a 6%. It's always like 6% who is uh, always uh, at, at the extreme end, right? Um, but then the detail here, 13% of dating or engaged PPH couples agree that it is okay because we are dating, we are engaged already, we are committed already or almost committed, short of marriage, and that is okay, 13%. The other question is, I would go overseas with my boyfriend or girlfriend alone as a couple, even if we could face sexual temptations with each other. And that, I believe, is the brown line. Okay, I'm going to skip the uh, sex outside of marriage has deep emotional and psychological consequences. I think that is, uh, we, we, we know that. So I would go overseas with my boyfriend or girlfriend, even if I knowingly, uh, I am quite aware that I will face uh, sexual temptations. And um, only 52% of PPH says, no, I would not go because there is sex sexual temptation. 52% says, I would not go. 18% uh, of us says, uh, not sure. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's the other way around. 52% uh, says, no. And then 30% says, uh, they will still go and do it. Something like that. Among the youth, it's slightly higher. Okay? But uh, these are the data. So how can I summarize this uh, finding? Uh, I summarize it as, as mostly politically correct and mostly doctrinally correct, as in what we say, right? What we declare. So now that we know what we say, or at least or, or what we preach, let's take a look at what we do, okay? And what we practice in spite of what we preach, of what we proclaim. The first table shows pornography usage in the last 12 months among those who participated in the survey. Okay? Pornography in the last 12 months, those who have uh, viewed pornography among men one to five times in the last 12 months is 31%. Among women, 19. Six to 10 times in the last 12 months, 8% of men, 4% of women. More than one, once per month, 12% men, 3% women, more than once a week, 16% men, and 0% women. So anybody who has viewed at least once uh, pornography in the last 12 months, among PPH, 69% of men and 26% of women. Should we be concerned? For the 31% of men and 19% of women who has viewed one to five times in the last 12 months, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just out of curiosity or, or maybe a, a moment of, of weakness. Perhaps it's not quite a daily struggle. For those uh, six to ten times over the last one year, not so good, but 
the percentage is uh, still small, like 8% and 4%. And perhaps you can say it is not out of control. I'm still very much under control. For those more than once a month, that 12% of PPH men and that 3% of PPH women who has viewed pornography more than once a month, I suggest that it is not under control and that you are unable to break out of it. And then for those more than once a week, more than 52 times a year, the 18% of men, I, can I suggest that you are trapped, you are under bondage? Or put it another way, how would I categorize it? For one to five, maybe it's a minimal thing. For six to ten, maybe it's an occasional thing. For more than once a month, maybe it's become a habit, it's a habitual thing. And for those more than once per week, may I suggest that it is an addictive thing. Okay, um, this same data in kind of a, a chart form, uh, seen against other churches, so PPH is blue, other churches is, is red. Not very, very conclusive. In some categories, uh, we are better like, you know, uh, 1 to 5 or 6 to 10 or something like that. In other category, categories, we are not so good. So let me now just focus uh, more on the men. Okay, there is a problem with women too, but not half as uh, uh, severe as the men one. So let me just look at the data for, for the men. For men, more than once in the last uh, 12 months, the whole, whole thing, right? 1 to 5, 6 to 10 and all that. So these are all more than once in the last 12 uh, months. Um, in five out of the seven life stages or age groups, from youth to single young adults to dating young adults, single adults, married parents and seniors, in five out of the seven age categories, we do worse than others. But what about the addict group? more than once a month. In four out of the seven life stages, PPH does worse than other churches. And I'm really sad to see this, also very, very sad to show this data, also very chastised by this data as PPH pastor. But unfortunately, there is more. Now let's look at sex, okay? Because you can say that pornography is fake sex. Now let's look at real sex. Sex outside of marriage in the last 12 months. Sex outside of marriage among PPH people in the last 12 months. And I was hoping to see a flat zero chart. Right? Why would, it, why would you do it? should be a flat zero chart. But let me just show you a split second of uh, this chart. Enough for us to know that it is not a flat chart. Okay? That among certain categories of life stage, it is in the 34%, 33%. Okay, I don't want to show any more on that. It is not like this chart. What I would like to see is this chart. This chart is like the global data, right, among 7,000 other Christians who have taken this survey. Uh, and that is quite high among dating adults. It's quite high among young adults. It is not zero in any of the categories. Even among youth, it is 6%. And what I would have liked to see is that for PPH, the blue color one, zero, 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 zero. Every life stage, zero. But it is not there. So, the deed. We've done it. We've done it. The deed. 
71% of PPH has viewed pornography against a global of 73%. No big comfort there. 45% of done, have asked, have done or viewed pornography in the last 12 months against uh, 42% of global. We have had sex outside of the divinely designed institution of marriage. 15% of PPH has had sex outside of marriage. Better than the global data of 30%, but it is not zero. Just in case some of us might argue, so what is so wrong about the deed? Uh, in pornography, it harms no one, it is private. Let's be clear about the definition of pornography and let's look at also what is the law of the land. The definition of pornography, the representation in books, in magazines, in photographs, in film and other media, basically any media, of scenes of sexual behavior that are erotic or lewd and are designed to arouse sexual interest. I have underlined that part. Designed to arouse sexual interest. So if you look at the National Geographic magazine of primitive tribes, it was not designed to arouse sexual interest. So that you may not consider as uh, pornography or if you go to some European museums and sculptures of uh, naked men or women, it wasn't quite designed for that in the old days. But what is designed purposely to entice you, that is pornography. What is the law of the land? In Singapore, it is against the law to, to keep, and you know legal language, to keep, to distribute, to sell pornogra pornographic material. Um, but it is not illegal to view it, to watch it, provided it is not downloaded and stored on your computer. So the law gives away out. And also the third point, it appears that it is not actively enforced because it is impossible to enforce. It is simply too difficult to enforce, even though we have the law of the land under Undesirable Publications Act, under Section 292 of the Penal Code, under Section 29 and 30 of the Films Act. And some years ago, uh, uh, a non-constituent MP was, uh, was let off with just a warning because, uh, and, and he was found in possession of an obscene film, but he was not prosecuted. So this is the law of the land. What about God's law? God is concerned not only with the deed, God is also concerned with any hint of such a deed. It is improper for God's people. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So, brothers and sisters, today's sermon and Christian teaching as a whole about sex is, is not so much to produce guilt. It is to prevent regret. It is not just the deed or a hint of such a deed, but that it comes from a desire that is not proper, not fitting. So what about desire? Desire is part of our sinful nature. The old English word is the flesh. I think a better translation is the sinful nature. Our sinful nature is against the divine nature. There is a divine design. And we deviate from this 
divine design. There is a deviance, and therefore it makes us deviants. It is devious because in so much of this pornography and sex outside of marriage, there is deceit, and we disguise it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28 says, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. It's inside. It's not just the deed. It's the desire, the intent. And Bill Clinton um, had it, but he denied it. Jimmy Carter, Sunday school teacher, had it, but he admitted it. Bill, Bill Clinton did it. Jimmy Carter did not do it, but he desired it. And he knew about his own flesh, sinful nature. And we are all tempted. But temptation is not sin. Giving in to temptation is sin. So what was God's design for sex? When God made Adam and Eve, when God made Eve and brought her to her husband, Adam, and Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 says, And then the man, then, then Adam says, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast, be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. If you read the Hebrew commentaries, this is not simply like, bone of my bone and flesh of my... It's wow! It's yippee! It's, it's awesome! And I learned some second language words. I asked uh, our youth pastor, I said, give me some. She said, next level. It is so next level! Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. What was God's purpose for sex? Some would say, and, and some usually you do this in premarital counseling, say, procreation, partnership, pleasure, in that order. And some may even leave out pleasure altogether, but let me back to differ. I think it's for pleasure first. Why? In Genesis 18 verse 12, when Abraham and Sarah tried to have a baby for many, many years, they could not, they were old, and when finally Sarah got pregnant, or, or, or when finally God told Sarah that you will have a child, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? I believe this refers first to the act of sexual intercourse between husband and wife. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. When a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any other public duty. He shall be free at home one year to be happy with his wife whom he has taken. In other translations, he shall bring happiness to his wife. He shall give happiness to his wife, enjoying the marital relationship. Except that in the Middle Ages and in the days of the early church fathers, things got corrupted. And they thought, the early church fathers thought that sex was only for procreation and it is regarded, sex is regarded as a necessary evil. St. Augustine, okay, famous godly man, thought that the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3, the forbidden fruit was sex, and said that it was fundamentally disgusting. Jerome, St. Jerome, said that sex was unclean. Tertullian 
said that it was a shameful act. St. Ambrose called it a defilement, and St. Origen even castrated himself in what he thought was an act of spirituality. You can say, you, why? It was distorted and corrupted. And even in our so-called scientific modern-day age and with the theory of evolution gone wild, sex is, has become nothing more than a bodily function. It's like eating or defecating. And it's about the survival of the species. In this book, a very famous author, Helen Fisher, her book is called Anatomy of Love, A Natural History of Mating, Marriage, and Why We Stray. And she gives this evolutionary definition of why people commit adultery. It says men do it to ensure a widespread dissemination of their genetic material. Women do it as an alternative strategy for the acquisition of resources to support herself and her young ones. So in other words, men spread their, their sperms, I, I almost said germs, no, sperms, to get a higher chance of evolving a better Bangkok Phi Jr., and women use sex as an investment strategy to diversify their sources of income. That's how it has been so corrupted. Now, if sex were purely a bodily function and purely for evolution, and it's dirty and unholy, why would God create us with a sexual desire and sexual ability long after we become infertile? And that we can have satisfying sex long after menopause and long after andropause. So my argument is sex is primarily or firstly for pleasure. And that sex is also a language, a language for partners, a lifelong committed partnership, and it is expressed in a language called sex. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 10, says, How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. That word love there in Hebrew is do'at. And someone has translated that or amplified that to your caress, to fondle, to mingle souls. And I really like mingles. I like to caress and embrace also. Huh? But to mingle souls is so deep. It's that deep partnership between a man and a woman. It suggests that depth in relationship. But the problem is that we have a free will and we are free to deviate from divine design. And we face pressures to deviate. We face pressures to conform to the pattern of this fallen world. We know that from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, very famous verses. Let me read it again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform anymore, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Many, many men and women, Christian and non-Christian, have tried to, to beat pornography, to, to abstain from, from it. And if you know the data, if you talk to counsellors, relapses arrive. Many, many people relapse. So what we need is not just counselling or counselling tools or, or willpower. 
I think first of all, we need to acknowledge. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous. I am Tan Kok Fai and I am addicted to pornography. Acknowledge that I am, I have deviated from God's divine design. I am a sinner and I am a sexual deviant. We need then a renewing of the mind as in Romans chapter 12. We need to be born again from the inside out. Otherwise, it will be born again, born again, born again and again. We need that spiritual surgery inside us, that spiritual transformation. And we need, we need a change from not just the outside with tools and counselling, which are good, but a change from the inside. We need to be made whole. Another word for whole or wholeness is integrity. And someone has defined integrity as who you are when no one is looking. Who you are when nobody is watching you. So we deviate from God's divine design, which is wholesome sex, pleasure, procreation, partnership, and God's wholesome design of relationships among men and women, whether husband and wife or not husband and wife. And then we begin to have a wrong view of ourselves. Some will say, see, see ourselves as, as animals. We just do it as a bodily function. Or others will begin to see ourselves as, as like all-powerful and all-wise. We know better than God. We are, we are gods in our own right. And then we begin to look for love in all the wrong places. And our relationships become corrupted. It becomes uncommitted, as in we do not get married. And even if we are married, we are not committed. And we treat the opposite sex as objects to meet our own selfish needs. So everything is corrupted. And how true it is that when my relationships are in order, when they are good and loving, when I'm occupied with something meaningful to do, I feel good about myself. And I'm less tempted to pornography or anything that is sexually illicit. You think about that, right? And that is so true. So some people will say, halt, halt when it comes to this. And, and, and it's a very good acronym to remember. It's when your relationships and when you're not right, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, that is when you're most open to temptation. So let's move on from here, from the deed to the desire, both God's desire and our corrupted desires to the danger. And the danger is not just unwanted pregnancies or babies or abortion or even sexually transmitted diseases. The danger is that the good and perfect gift of God in sex is so easily perverted. It's still kill and destroy, right? It is stolen, it is killed, it is destroyed. And the pain it comes, that, the pain that causes, uh, causes all our relationships, that comes into all our relationships when this is perverted, because it becomes then not so much who you lie with, but who you will have to lie to. There is always deceit in this, whether it's pornography or sex outside of marriage. So, I remember talking to a young man once, and he was totally stressed out as he approached me one Sunday, and he told me that something about his girlfriend was late, and asked me to pray that he will come. So I prayed because I saw how distressed it was. I prayed, period. And the period came. And I hope that this young man, I've not seen him since, this young man and this young girl never did it again. Outside of a committed 
and loving marriage relationship because I saw the stress on his face. He was like going bonkers. Another young man who did the deed then broke up with his girlfriend. Maybe I wouldn't even call girlfriend. I just say sex partner. Once chided me, scolded me. He said, Pastor, you never told me. Because he was just recounting the pain of the breakup. And, and he realized that it wasn't just some bodily function. It's not have sex with this sex partner and then break up, no big deal, go to another sex partner. He recounted the pain that he felt, that something very deep was going on. And you might have heard of the illustration of two pieces of paper that you stick together with glue, and then now you try and separate it. Everything breaks apart and it's horrible, it's messy, it's painful. Actually, it's, it's, it is impossible. And the Bible says so. The Bible says it is impossible because you have become one flesh, one soul. And the term that is used is a soul tie. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. So the sexual act is more than a bodily function. There is a very heavy well, it is a spiritual act as well. There is something about sexual sin. I know many times you say, oh, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, right? I steal paper clips from my office, and, but you mess, mess about with, uh, with a man and woman uh, outside. But there is something that is special about sexual sin. And the Bible says so. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. It's something very deep and very spiritual. But some of us may argue, but pornography, pornography harms no one. Can I just say, as I look at all these images, that I'm just admiring God's beautiful creation of the human body in the privacy of my own home, in my own toilet, in my own office cubicle, Exactly because it is so easy, so insidious, it messes with you. Because no real woman that you will date, let me say this, no real woman that you will date or that you will marry will ever come close to the surgically enhanced Photoshop bombshells that you see on the pornographic images. <laughs> was it? If we deviate from God's perfect gift of sex and we lust after porn, we open ourselves to many footholds to, to evil. And, and always it starts too innocently. It's just a curious peek. Everybody is talking about it. Today, pastor is talking about it. To, this afternoon, I go back and check him out. It's too easy. We have curiosity or it's just a momentary weakness. But it grows, right, from curiosity to a momentary weakness to a habit and then to addiction. And then there is this, it's not even an economic law of diminishing returns, right? It's a sexual law of diminishing returns. Then the more you see, the more you want to see, the less it satisfies you and the more you want to see and then you become desensitized and then you want to act it out physically because seeing is fake. I want to do the real thing. And, and and you feel guilty, you feel despair, you are disgusted with yourself. It's just a mess. Just last Wednesday, in the Straits Time, I, I saw this uh, 
in the live section, this lady whom I never heard before, she says, when I'm shooting lingerie, it's uh, like French, right? Lingerie, or Sports Illustrated, that is like every year there's one where they show all the women in bikinis. I'm aware that my pastor follows me on Instagram. Whoa! And, you know, she's, what was the purpose of saying that is that she's quite okay, right? Because I know my pastor watching, so I'm, uh, I'm more modest. Then I checked it out. She, Ashley Graham, is what is called a plus-size model. She's big. Okay, so this picture doesn't... See, it's so carefully curated, right? This picture doesn't show that she's plus size. And, and then it's, it's quite revealing. Lah. Most of the stuff that, 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 that she shoots picture is, is quite revealing. And then there is an article that talks about her as a Christian, as a Christian who abstained from sex till, mar- uh, till wedding. So very commendable. And yet it's still so very grey. You know? The images are very uh, erotic. And yet, she's a Christian who abstained from sex until marriage, and she knows that her pastor is watching her on Instagram. So to me, everything was great. And, and, and Instagram, so I show you my Instagram page. Okay, when I go in the home, and I, I, I follow very, very few people, one of whom is my sister, and this is my niece, and she's so cute. Uh, and then I discovered the search function which is the, the bottom, the dark black one is home, right? This is home page, so it's my niece. And then the next there is that search thing. Ah, when you press on that search function, it just shows all kinds of, I don't know how Instagram does it, but quite a lot of it are bikini women, or women in bikini, rather. Um, there is a, a rule which is enforced in Instagram, that uh, you're not supposed to post nudity, they will shut you out. But then, there are women who post pictures of themselves with strategically blacked out parts, so it is not nudity. So what am I doing as a pastor swiping through Instagram? Because I want to watch my niece. I want to see what our youth are are exposing themselves to. And and it is grey. It is grey. Another, uh, uh, what is it, TV series, Game of Thrones, has become very uh, uh, popular. Uh, mentioned a lot in our youth ministry. I know that Pastor Joanne keeps saying, but don't, don't go there, don't go there. So I went there. <laughs> one time only. Lah. One time. Okay, I watched one episode. Okay, full frontal nudity, sexual violence. Right, like rape. Lah. And our youth are watching watching this, and our adults are watching this, and our pastor watched this once. What about other grey areas? Explicit lyrics in songs. Some of these songs are really, really explicit. Okay, I don't have an example to show you because I don't know any. Okay, uh, I think I shouldn't go into any more, even just once, uh, I shouldn't. Suggestive dancers on MTV, crude jokes. And I see many of our people, or not many, uh, some of our people, they actually, like it's posted on, they will click like, you know. They will like it. So I know as a Christian, you like a song that has got explicit sexual lyrics. What does it mean? What does it tell the world? 
And even crude jokes, there are some crude jokes that are really very funny, and then you read it once, you laugh, and then you try to forget it. But then Christians will click like. And again, what does that mean? What are we telling the world? But I know, I know. Christianity, we cannot be about what we are against, right? We cannot like, wow, this no good, that no good. It's, it's really more about what we are, what we are for. But what are we for? We are not for sexual arousal, right? Outside of marriage, outside of husband and wife. We are for a sense of propriety. We are for purity. We are for the pursuit of holiness and righteousness and all that glorifies God. But pornography, sex outside of marriage, even the grey areas of pornography, it has stained our consciousness. And some people have said, after many decades, like they still have that image of Miss February, of Playboy that they happened to chance across or they bought like as a teenager and then as a married adult years and years later, they still have that image of Miss February. It stains us. And then they compare Miss February to their wives. And then your, your relationship is, is messed up. I heard this very good one about Pope John the 23rd. Okay? Pope John the 23rd says that uh, when he was at a party or whatever reception, and a woman in a very low-cut dress walked in, and they say, what is the hardest thing about being a Pope? It is not so much that he would look at a woman. He said, everybody is looking at him. <laughs> I think the same goes for a pastor, right? So fortunately, among here, there are no women in low-cut dresses. And, and you never, never want to be caught like this, okay? Uh, <laughs> it may not be real. <laughs> I mean, it may be just accidental that his head was, was turned that way. But it so illustrates that I tell you, Jesus, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It is that difficult. It's that difficult. Somebody illustrated the dangers of pornography this way. He says, a friend comes to you and he asks you to look after his pet snake. It's a big snake. It's a python. It's his pet. And then he tries to convince you that this snake is very friendly, this snake is tame, this snake is very harmless, but, uh, but uh, sometimes it will eat small dogs and you have a dog. So, would you welcome that pet into your house and run this risk? Okay, I have to explain this. Huh? This is very clever. It's a leash disguised as a snake. Okay, so don't, don't get grossed out. You get it, right? So clever. Actually, when I, when I search for snake swallows dog, wow, there are many, many gruesome images, but this one I thought was so clever. So the deed, the desire, the danger, what is our defense? The deed of sex is part of God's divinely designed abundant life. But then the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy this beautiful gift by distorting our desire. And we, we must recognize his danger. But first, let me, let me first acknowledge that there is a pastoral failure in, in PPH, in equipping PPH. 
And there is even data to prove it. Okay, let me show you this data. Church equipping. My church has preached or taught about sex or sexuality apart from the LGBT issue, apart from the gay issue. And the number, the top line, 3.14 in PPH, 3.46 in other churches. Both not great. That means it's right about in the, in the middle. But we are, I believe, much lower than other churches. That means PPH has not preached or taught about sex or sexuality. That is your view. Second one, my church has equipped me to help a person who is facing a sexual issue or struggle. And here we are 2.4, way below even average. And also worse than other churches. So, preach now, preach about it. But there are so many demands on pulpit time, you know. I mean, again and again, different people will send me messages, like, Pastor, you need to preach about this. Pastor, you need to preach about that. PPH needs to preach about this. So, at first, when I saw this data, I was very indignant. <laughs> then I checked the data. You know. So, over the last 17 years that I have been pastor here, okay, green means that in that year we have had a sermon on sex, and red or pink means uh, no sermon on sex. And I think you can see that there are more red than green. I believe there are one, two, three, four, five, seven out of 17 years. Seven out of 17 years we have preached, and sometimes not in the main service, sometimes just in the men's network on the first Saturday of the month. So, empirically proven. This is the historical data. We have a checkered history as far as pulpit time is concerned. And um, Focus on the Family suggests that in order for you not to forget, Pastor, why don't you use Valentine's Day as always, at least once in a year, you talk about God's design for sex and all that. And I think that's a very good suggestion, okay? To make sure that we never forget. Now, back to defense. Okay. A few uh, pointers that perhaps can help us. First is the proper paradigm. Paradigm that sex is not disgusting. It is not, please don't go castrate yourself like origin. Sex is good, divinely designed but only within one parameter, parameter, a loving, committed, marital relationship. And that deviant sex, illicit sex, outside of God's design, sexual immorality is dangerous. People always say this, you fight sin, but you flee immorality. And it's very true. Second Timothy and 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us that, flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness. Um, that's 2 Timothy 2.22. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual morality and you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So you flee on the one hand, but then you pursue something else because fleeing itself doesn't help, right? You've got to pursue righteousness, glorify God in your body. Otherwise called sanctified cowardice. <laughs> Don't think that you're some hero who can withstand all the bombardment of the media, of uh, pornography, and, and all that. Just be a coward, flee. Parents, faith at home. Talk to your children. You know, the church can only do so much. Even if we were to preach every Sunday on, on sex, it's only 52 times. 
So the parents need to talk to our children. Sometimes very difficult, eh? but from the data here, we're doing pretty good, right? Family environment. I have open conversations about sex and sexuality with my children. Quite high. Higher than, uh, uh, actually, green means higher than other churches. If my child is facing a sexual issue, I can help him or her. My church has equipped me to teach my children about sex or sexuality. Okay, low. Looks not so bad, but then this is answered by the parents. But the whole life inventory did not have a reverse one. They asked the children, are you willing to go to your parents to talk about sexual issues? That one we don't have, and I suspect you can easily give a 30-40% discount from this line and move it down. But still, we need to, even though it is difficult and awkward, we need to. Partner. One of the most effective means of countering this is to have an accountability partner. And it is a divine principle. You know that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone, and when he falls, has not another to lift him up. I think all of us know this, right? You've heard this again and again, accountability partner, but very difficult to implement because of humility. Difficult. Let me show you... Uh, this guy, uh, he's very famous in, in Singapore, a Christian psychiatrist, Winslow, an addictions specialist, they call him. And he says, for sexual addictions, people are only as sick as their secrets. The more they can talk about them in a safe place, the more the addictions lose their hold or power over people. So we've got to bring it into the light to tell the truth and shame the devil, as it were, I, I didn't know that this phrase came from Shakespeare. You know, tell the truth and shame the devil. And it's like you've walked down a road, you want to walk on the sunny side of the road. Don't go and walk on the shadow and the dark side of the road. You want to live your life like there's nothing to lose and there's nothing to hide. There's nothing lurking in some dark corner. The Bible, not Shakespeare, says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So don't we want to be free from all these traps that are before us? John chapter 8, verse 32. Uh, since, let me just end with this, uh, uh, just one last chart. My spouse and I have open conversations about sex and sexuality. If I am facing a sexual issue, I can turn to my spouse for help. They all look pretty good in the 3.8 kind of uh, uh, score. I won't go further into this, but I hope it's true. But this one, my church is a safe place for someone looking for help with a sexual issue or struggle. Very low. Two point something. If I am facing a sexual issue, I can turn to someone in church for help. Also very low. Why is PPH not a safe place? We should be. I think one of the key things is just to keep confidential things confidential. I believe that is a key thing. That means we are gossiping or, or what? I, I don't know. Why are people in PPH, we don't feel that this is a safe place to confide in someone and to seek help. 
I can tell you that among the elders and also the deacons, that we observe this very strictly. Right? There's many times, like suddenly when I tell this to the elders because I've gotten permission from the person, then they say, wow, it's been going on for so long. I say, yeah, but I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you until I get permission from this guy. So we do keep this very strictly uh, uh, confidential. And I hope that, that this chart will, will reverse, that PPH will become the safe place, that we can talk about this, we can have an accountability partner, and that we can help one another. Uh, this one is just for joke, la, but it's not so peer proof. What do I mean by peer proof? This is break the tone because I see your faces all very serious now, okay? And here I want to make an appeal. Eh? Sisters and son, some brothers, I appeal to your compassion. Yeah, your compassion. Because boys will be boys. And men will be men. It is very difficult for us. There's yet another story about Pope John uh, the 23rd. He says, at, again, was at dinner. He was seated next to a lady like this with a deep plunging neckline. And at dessert time, he took an apple and he offered it to this lady in a very low-cut dress. And the lady says, no, thank you, Your Holiness. And then Pope John said, take it. It was only after eating the forbidden fruit that Eve realized how little she had on. <laughs> Clever, right, this man? And so this morning, at coffee break, I've arranged for apples. <laughs> no, just kidding, don't have no apples. So... Sisters, please peer-proof your, your outfits. I know that some of the, our ladies will say, I should be free to wear what I wear. The problem is not my outfit. The problem is you men. you got dirty minds, to which my reply, yes. Yes! Men are all alike. We all have dirty minds. And we need your compassion. <laughs> and cooperation. You know, right, um, talk about purity pledge, huh? This phrase, uh, you men are all alike. You know, we men don't like to hear that. But it's true. It's true. We have a sinful bent to us to deviate from God's divine design when it comes to sex. But let me hit back at the woman. Okay? And I say there are only three kinds of women. Those much older than you, that you should treat as your mother. Those around your age, you should treat as your sister or sister in Christ. And, that, and then the third category of woman, that one special one, you treat as your wife and you honour her as a wife. Three kinds of women. It's a kind of pledge. So for the married one here, there is a, another pledge. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. It says, let this be a pledge. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights means have sex. And likewise, the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So husbands and wives have a lot of sex but also have a lot of prayer. You know, some of the early church fathers have misinterpreted this verse, meaning, if you pray, then don't have sex. But I think the key word is by agreement for a limited time. 
so that you may devote yourself to prayer. It doesn't mean an exclusive relationship. So once a very wise mother counseled her daughter who was about to, <coughs> to get married, and uh, for, for PPH, we have this parental wisdom questionnaire that you're supposed to talk with your children about to get married. And the daughter asked in all innocence, how often, mama, should we do it? And the wise mother's reply was this, my darling daughter, men are all alike. They think about it all the time. And then they think they take a long time doing it. But the truth is, the truth is, it will all be over in a few minutes. So, by pleasing your husband in those few minutes, you make them so happy and you buy a lifetime of happiness. You win. And he thinks he wins. So clever, right? So let's do it. Let's do a purity pledge together later. Okay. Uh, I have just one last point to tackle, and that is deliverance. So, defense for prevention, deliverance for intervention. And may I suggest that those in the addicts category, more than 52 times a year, you are in the category that needs intervention. First step, of course, is acknowledgement. If we cannot agree with God that we have deviated from His divine design and call it what it is, sin, then really we can go no further. It stops there. Then you just continue in despair and pawn again and again, pawn again, pawn again. And for that 15% of PPH who has ever had sex outside of marriage, for those who have viewed pornography and especially for addicts and habitual ones, for that 12% of PPH who are habitual viewers upon, for that 18% who are addicts more than once a week, for that 3% of women who watch porn more than once a month, bring it into the light. Confess to someone. Acknowledge that. Trust your leaders that we will do whatever it takes to make PPH a safe place to do so. And the truth is, everyone struggles leaders also. But not everyone succeeds in overcoming and all of us need help. So seek help. Bring it into the light. Confess to someone. Seek help. For those who have done, who have had sex outside of marriage, it is a, it is a very serious issue. It is, a soul is tied. Two pieces of paper have been glued together and we need to break those soul ties spiritually. Pray with someone. Renounce those ties that has bound you even if it was like 30 years ago, you need to renounce that. It is not just a bodily matter. It is a spiritual matter. And let's renounce those ties. For, for the pornography addicts, seek help. There are many online help uh, available with filters and all that. I don't want to go into that. But I found two that I've personally come across that is very helpful. The one is uh, W Setting Captives Free. It's a 60-day program where you go through what is the divine design, and you have an accountability partner online. And so for 60 days, I received report from this person who was going through a sexual issue, and, and, and I saw his journey in 60 days, conforming himself back to that godly design and not conforming to the pattern of this world. And they like, gives me a report every day for 60 days. It's tough, but if we are in the habitual and the addict category, then we really need intervention. The other one is X3 Watch. And this is one where uh, every so often it will, when you set it up on your computer, it will monitor the sites you go to. 
And once in a while, you'll send a report of all the suspicious sites to an accountability partner. Very uncomfortable to do so, but somebody did it with me. And uh, after a while, I think he was set free. Lastly, counsel and support group. Again, the, the key issue is to bring it into the light. It, it stays forever hidden in the darkness. If there is deceit and you're bluffing yourself and bluffing everybody about it, then, then nobody can help. If you bring it into the light, we can help you to arrange uh, a support group with people outside the church so that there will be no gossip going around. It's just like Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, we can... We can we'll have that area of help. And, and lastly, I just want to say that God, our God is a God of redemption, a God of U-turns. We can have safe sex. So it is such a precious thing that we save it for marriage, committed, loving relationship. We can have free sex, sex that is free from guilt, free from deception, free from regret. Okay, I've taken very, very long now. Uh, so no closing song. i just like us to now... Just in a moment before the Lord, use this purity pledge and let's uh, repeat it together and, and that's how we will close today. Okay? So firstly, I am a child of God bought with the blood of Christ. My sexual purity is a precious gift from God. I am making a pledge to God, to myself, and to my spouse or future spouse. That I will guard my heart, my mind, and body from anything that will compromise my sexual purity. I will honor the Lord by not participating in any sexual activity outside of marriage. I will not put myself in a sexually compromising or tempting situation. I have made a covenant with my eyes and ears not to look at, read, or listen to inappropriate materials. I will enlist a godly friend to hold me accountable to this pledge. So let's mean what we have pledged. So next, it's not just don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? So we remove this as in through this purity pledge, but next week we'll talk about, because whole life you'll be, you, will be, you will be tempted, so we need to replace it by godly desires, okay? So let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your kindness and your, your love, your understanding, your grace that there is a redemption, there, there is a U-turn and there is Jesus who has taken our sins upon himself on the cross, even our sexual sins. And so God, we pray that this purity pledge that we have made, you will help us to enforce it. It will be a spiritual thing with spiritual help and not just our own willpower, which is so weak. And so may we progress from here onto a life that seeks purity, that 
that pursues holiness and righteousness. Thank you, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.